Last week, we looked at the question that Jesus asked Mary as she went to the tomb that Sunday morning and, and discovered that it was empty. And he said to her, who are you looking for? So today, we're going to wrap up this series, but we're going to go backward in the biblical narrative, but forward in our own journey. Okay, so a little bit, <laughs> a little bit confusing. So uh, let me break down this way. About two years into Jesus' ministry and 18 months before his resurrection uh, and this encounter with Mary at the tomb, Jesus asks his disciples the most important question. It's the moment in time where he asked his disciples, who do you say or who do you believe that I am? And, and at this moment, this question is actually the hinge for Jesus' entire ministry. In fact, um, this question kind of turns everything that Jesus has been doing on its head, and, and he begins to, to take his um, focus off his followers, and his focus really changes to the cross. And so the reason that we're taking this kind of out of, of biblical order is because th this is how it typically works for, for you and for me. When we come to Jesus and we journey to Jesus in our lives, we start looking typically for something or, or for someone, for some meaning or purpose or hope or, or help in, in our lives. In fact, probably a lot of you here today, maybe those joining us online, um, you're here because of that reason. There was a point in your life um, maybe you started having children, um, maybe there was uh, some difficult struggle or something that happened, maybe you lost a loved one or something, and, and you began to, to search for something, some meaning, some purpose, some hope, some help in your life to, to help you get through. And you didn't really even know what you were looking for, maybe. But we begin looking for that meaning, that purpose, before we actually realize that what we need is Jesus. As we, we know we need something, we, we know we're looking for something, we just don't necessarily know what it is, and at some point in our lives, we're like, oh, it's Jesus, and I get it, and we are able to move forward. And so I wanted to deal with the question, who are you looking for first, before we began looking at, or uh, before we dealt with the next question, who do you believe that I am? Be because, uh, look, if you don't know who you're looking for, you might not like who you find. If you don't have an idea, if you don't have a goal, if you, like, what's the, what's the thing you, um, I just totally lost it. You, I don't know, you never hit what you aim at. What is that, Alan? You're a, you're a sporto guy. What's that thing? 100% of the shots you don't take? Okay, whatever it is. If you don't know what you're looking for, you may not like what you end up with or what you find. If you're looking for a genie or a life coach to make your life better, you probably aren't going to like Jesus because that's not what he's into, Right? But if you're looking for purpose, if you're looking for meaning or hope or truth, then you've got a decision to make about who Jesus is or who you believe Jesus is. Because, look, here's the deal. If Jesus is not the king to you, then he's nothing. 
There's nothing else that Jesus will settle for in your life except being the king. That's who he is. That's his position. That's the truth. And so anything else that we might kind of give, any other title we might give him, if it doesn't end with king, then it really is nothing and it doesn't really mean anything to us. There were a lot of people in the first two years of Jesus' ministry while he was Um, healing the lame and restoring sight to the blind and raising the dead and curing skin diseases and deadly fevers and freeing those who are possessed by demons. There were a lot of people taking guesses in those first two years about who Jesus might be. But none of them dared consider that who he was just might be the one that they'd been waiting for, the promised one, the Messiah, the the promised king anointed by God in the line of King David, the one that they'd been waiting for literally for thousands of years. Nobody thought that. Remember, Jesus was a middle-class nobody woodworker from Nazareth, and so he couldn't be the king. That's why it's so important, this passage that we're going to look at today in, um, in Matthew chapter 16. Here's what it says. When Jesus and his disciples were near the town of Caesarea Philippi, he asked them, what do people say about the Son of Man? So he's asking his disciples, what do other people say about me? What, what are you hearing? Like, what's the water cooler gossip about who I am? And so the disciples answered, well, some people say you're John the Baptist or maybe Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the other lesser minor prophets. And then Jesus asked, but who do you say that I am? Now, I want you to notice the disciples never said Messiah. Like there were all these things that people were talking about, all of these different names and who Jesus might be. None of them were Messiah. And so Jesus gets to the point where he asks him, okay, who do you? You guys who have been with me for two years, you've seen all of the things I've done. You've watched the miracles. You've listened to the teaching. I've been with you in private and shared more about the parable. Like I've filled you in on the parables. I've given flesh to the bones of those things. Who do you say that I am, and Simon Peter spoke up and said, you are the Messiah. Remember, Messiah and Christ are really the the same word, different languages, but the same word. They both mean anointed one of God, or in this case, God's anointed king is how we would say that. And so Peter said, you're the Messiah, you're the Christ, you're the king, the son of the living God. Now, switch gears for just just a second. Keep all of that in mind. I was laying in bed in um, 2006. It was one of those nights again where I just couldn't sleep. There was a lot of stuff going on, and, and I'm, I'm one of those people who can sometimes get really caught up in my, in my head and my thoughts, right? It, it, maybe you're like that. And, and so I'm just playing things over, and I'm asking questions. I'm trying to figure things out, and I just can't kind of shut down and, and go to sleep. Um, at, at this point, four families had been meeting together for a number of months in my home, and, and our goal was to plant a church here in El Dorado. And so I was laying there in bed. I was thinking about just a bunch of stuff along with this church plant and, and praying about it and talking to God about what are we going to do. And, and, and one of the things that was really, was really struggling with was the name of the church. Like we're, we're going to have this church, we're going to plant this church, but we've got to have a name. Like it, and unless you can name it, right, it just doesn't seem real. And so I'm like, we've got to have a name, and I was just thinking and, and, and praying about this. And, 
I, I was thinking about um, Bible verses and just had all kinds of things going through um, going through my head. And I remember um, laying in bed. Our, our house was on South Summit at the time. And, um, and, I, and I remember laying there, and then and this name just kind of popped in, into my head, real life. And, and I was just like, whoa, okay, that has a bunch of different ways that that would kind of play out. And we can, we can talk about the real physical world that we're in and, and how we think it's real here. But then the Bible talks about our, our real life beginning when, not only when we come to Christ, we begin to function in his kingdom, right? We talked about that last week, making present the kingdom of God in our lives. And so then as you come to Christ, you begin to live your real life in the physical world. And then, and, and then we, we start eternity, right? And we get to move uh, heaven and earth come together and there's unity there and we get to be with Jesus. And that's when our real, real life will begin. And, and so I was just really excited about it. I was like, okay, awesome. I, I think we've got it. And so what I want to do is I want to connect this name to scripture. And so the next day I got up and I, I grabbed my phone and I'm doing a search and I'm looking um, for what we might find. And, and I come across this passage in um, the message version, John 10, 10. It's kind of our theme verse for our church. It's where Jesus says this, a thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come so they may have real and eternal life, more and better than they ever dreamed of. And I thought, oh, that's that's good, right? That real life that we can have that's more and, and better than what we dreamed it might, it might be. And so I'm like, yes, that's it. That's the name of the church. And about a week later, I decided to Google real life Christian church and, and, and just see what popped up. Like maybe somebody else has that name. And there were a few um, there were a few real life churches that I found. One of them in particular was Real Life Church in Claremont, Florida. And so in early 2007, um, I reached out to them. Uh, I had been, um, I'd been talking with the pastor for a while, I'd emailed him, and we'd been emailed him back and forth, and, and just a, a really great uh, younger guy. And, uh, and, and early in 2007, he said, hey, um, why don't you and, and your wife come to Florida and hang out with us? So Andy and I and, and another person was helping us start the church. We flew to Florida on four or five days, something like that. We, we hung out with uh, Pastor Jay and with his staff and, and went to church. Um, Andrea even got to, uh, I think she sang or played or something with, uh, with the Real Life Band. Um, and that was pretty cool. At, at that point, um, early 2007, they were meeting in their original building. They'd been there for 20 or 30 years. It wasn't a real great big building. Um, and so they were having, I think, four services on the weekend, uh, one on Saturday night maybe, and then, and then two or three on Sunday morning. And um, it wasn't a, wasn't a big, like I think our auditorium here is bigger than what they were meeting in. And so they had multiple services, four, four or 250, 300 people coming at the, at the time uh, to that church. Over the last 13 years, they uh, built a multi-million dollar brand new campus on Steve's Road in Claremont, and they have grown to well over 5,000 people. They have a main campus in Claremont, and they have uh, four other campuses around Orlando uh, that are all part of the Real Life Church. Now, um, it was really cool the way this, this came about. Um, uh, Justin Miller was, was praying one night, and he just felt like God was telling him that he needed to stop thinking about being a pastor just to real life 
and really think bigger. Think about the Orlando community. How can I be a pastor to the whole community? And as he began to think about that and, and pray about that, a, a church contacted them and said, look, we really like what you're doing. Our church is struggling. We're falling apart. We would like you to essentially take over and plant a, a, a campus here in our building. And so they were given a building, were given some people, and that just like kept happening. It was incredible. And so um, now they have this uh, great big uh, uh, main campus. They have a, uh, a school, a preschool, and a K through 12 um, program. It's a great big deal, and it's, uh, it's so cool. In fact, um, when Andy and I celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary last November, we went to Florida. We hung out in Orlando, uh, and we got to join uh, real life in, in Claremont. This was still, like, this was COVID, right? So it was masks, and they had all their seats. I, I think their auditorium will seat about 3,000 now, um, and they had that all spread out up in the balcony and everything, and, and so it was a little bit different, and so this was just a, a shot of the uh, band that morning as we were um, worshiping with them. It was just really uh, cool to be there with, oh, but uh, this is uh, Robin, that's uh, Justin's wife. This is Justin and his two of his uh, uh, two of his four kids are there um, with them. So, so I, I had to give you that background because of because of this. I was working on the message um, for this week to close out this questions from Jesus series, and uh, I was listening. To, I was at the gym. I was listening to a podcast from. Uh, from Pastor Jay from their Easter service and and I was just like I was just like oh my goodness my real life family needs to hear this Uh, what he shared on Easter was a perfect end a perfect wrap up to this series and and I was just like for one I was like I, I couldn't say this any better like even if he gave me his manuscript, I would not be able to share it any better than him. And so um, I, I just decided this morning to let you listen to one of the voices that I listen to. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm just going gonna, gonna to tell you this right now. Uh, Real Life Church of Clemmer, they have multiple things um, going on besides just their Sunday morning stuff. And so if you are one of those people who listens to, to more voices than just me, um, you listen to other podcasts or YouTube uh, preachers or whatever. I, I, I'm just going to tell you, I'm just going to encourage you right now, ditch all of those other people and listen to Justin uh, at Real Life in, in Claremont, Florida. Um, he, he will bless your life. It, he, he's an incredible um, communicator. Um, and, and so uh, really follow them. Uh, real.life is their website and you can get all of their stuff on there uh, and then Apple Podcasts or Google Play or whatever else just search uh, Real Life Church it'll probably be one of the top things that comes up um, and uh, you can follow them there so uh, I, I want you um, this morning to hear uh, Pastor Jay Real Life Church in Claremont Florida and he's going to answer the question for us today um, who is who is Jesus so that you know, I know who Jesus is and what we need to do in, um, in response to that. So I want you to watch this. Hey, happy Resurrection Weekend to my real life family. Today, we are celebrating the highlight of human history. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Peter says in 1 Peter 1.3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth 
into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's what we're celebrating today. That's why we're here, because we have hope through the resurrection of Jesus. We have hope for a better life. We have hope in an eternal life. And that hope changes everything. And we're in a study called Kingdom Come. We've been talking about how to invite Christ's kingdom into our lives so that his will can be done on earth and in my life as it is in heaven. And on resurrection weekend, what I want us to see is that Jesus is king. His kingdom comes when I crown him the king of my life. Every kingdom needs a king. That makes sense, right? I think we know this. Every kingdom needs a king. Where there's a kingdom, there's a king. Usually, this is interesting, but we know who the king of any kingdom is. I want to play a game with you, all right? need you to play along. Wherever you are right now, hands on your buzzers. This is kings and kingdoms for 100. Okay, who is the king of Wakanda? Mm-hmm. Go ahead, call it out. T'Challa, right? It's the Black Panther. You knew that one. How about this? Okay, we're going to go back a little further. Who is the king of Camelot? Hmm, that's King Arthur. Okay, what kingdom is Mickey Mouse the king of? We got to know this one. That's the Magic Kingdom. All right, this is my favorite. Who's the king of the lemurs of Madagascar? King Julian. This one you should know. Who's the Lion King? It's Simba, right? What we know is that every kingdom has a king. And the kingdom of God is no exception. Our kingdom has a king, and that king is Jesus. But listen, of all the attributes and all the titles that Jesus has, I think king is one that we often overlook. We usually, I, I think we've grown accustomed to seeing Jesus as a helper, as a friend, which he is, praise God. He's the one that sticks closer than a brother. Maybe some of us have learned to see him as the sacrifice for our sins, which is absolutely true. But we miss him so often as our king. But what I want us to understand is that king was always the plan. If you go back, the prophets spoke of a king who was coming in the line of David. The Magi, they came looking for what? A king. Herod tried to kill Jesus because he knew he was a king. The number one thing that Jesus preached about and taught, it was the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And one of the things Jesus used to say is that the kingdom is at hand. Why? Because the king was there. Where the king is, that's where the kingdom is. On Palm Sunday, you remember Palm Sunday? I mean, that's, it's what we're celebrating in this season. Palm Sunday, why do we call it that? Because they laid down the branches and they shouted, Hosanna. It means save us, O king. We're calling out to you as our king because we need saved. That's Palm Sunday. And then as Jesus is arrested and he's interrogated by Pilate, Pilate asks him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, hey, you said it. But what they did was then twist together a crown of thorns. They put a purple robe on him. They mocked him and spit on him. And then they made that little sign that said, here is the king of the Jews. Now, if that was the end of the story, I'd have to say, maybe Jesus isn't that much of a king. But the reason we're here, okay, is because our king defeated his enemy, the devil, and he defeated our enemy, death, by resurrecting on that third day. We're here because our king, the king of kings, 
conquered death. I, I want to read this to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It says, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that victory, the resurrection, I love how Paul describes Jesus. It's in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 17. He says, now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Of all the ways that we know and we understand Jesus, do we know him as king? What, what Paul says, king eternal, king immortal, the only God. Do we know that Jesus? Do we know the Jesus that caused the Roman centurion who just finished crucifying him to call out, surely this man was the son of God? And listen, that's before the resurrection. That's just a testimony of someone who witnessed his death. And he said, even the way this man died was divine. There was so much supernatural phenomenon associated with his death. He had to be the son of God. That's the testimony of a non-believer. And then you've got Thomas, a disciple, but a skeptic, until he meets that resurrected Jesus. And he calls him my Lord and my God. We know from history that Thomas would end up dying for Jesus because he understood who he was. You go forward in, into the book of Revelation and John is given a vision of the return of Jesus and Jesus is riding in on a white horse as a conquering king. He has many crowns and in, in verse 16 of chapter 19, it says on his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of of lords Whew. do we know king jesus that's all i'm saying because like we know jesus the teacher we know jesus the friend the one who loves but i wonder sometimes in our mental depictions maybe we miss his majesty because of his humanity it's true our god became flesh and made his dwelling among us which is awesome but i think sometimes because he humbled himself and became like us we maybe think of him as less than he really is. Maybe we, we see the humility, but it causes us to miss the divinity. A couple decades ago, um, there was a cultural expression. This phrase was going around, Jesus is my homeboy. I don't know if you remember that one, but it, it got so popular that celebrities like Ashton Kutcher and Britney Spears, they were wearing shirts and hats that said, Jesus is my homeboy. Now listen, don't get me wrong. Brittany needs Jesus. I think we all know that. But, but here's the problem. She needs Jesus not just as our homeboy, right? The problem, I think, for a lot of us is we see Jesus for less than who he truly is. The mental picture for a lot of people is Jesus is less my king, and he's more like my buddy. Actually, okay, does anybody remember back in the day, we had a doll. If you're over 35, you're going to remember this. We had a doll called My Buddy. He was this little sidekick, tag along, not a very great doll, but really good marketing. I actually want you to see the commercial from back in the day because it still haunts my dreams.
from Hasbro Preschool. Now, for my 80s kids, okay, we are all reliving a moment right now, so you're going to have to give us a minute. For my younger friends, you're like, why did my parents play with Chucky? That's so creepy. But, okay, here's the thing. For some of us, the way we see Jesus, it's more like my buddy than my king. And we see him as our helper and our friend, but, but we miss him as our Lord and our God. And we love the humanity of Jesus, but we've lost the majesty of Jesus. We're moved by the humility of Jesus, but we miss the divinity of Jesus. And I think that's why we take his commandments as suggestions. We read them, love your enemies. I mean, if you feel like it, unless you have a reason not to, forgive those who sin against you if you think they deserve it and if they've changed and they say, I'm sorry. See, we take his commandments as suggestions and we look at obedience as an option. If I see the benefit, then I'll obey. We do this with worship. I mean, if we really believe Jesus is the King of Kings, we're gonna worship. I mean, really worship. Grab the purple praise flag and run the auditorium. But see, I wonder if the reason that we don't, I wonder if the reason that we don't worship with all our heart, the reason we read those red letters in the Bible, still do whatever we want, the reason that we come to church, but we refuse to carry the cross, I wonder if it's because we don't see Jesus for who he truly is. King of kings, Lord of lords, the alpha and the omega, it's the beginning and the end. He's the creator and the sustainer of all life. John says he's the one who was with God and who was God. The one that the Bible says will return to judge all nations. He's the king. In First Timothy, again, he's the king eternal, immortal, and invisible, the only God. Jesus is king. And here's the thing, if we miss him as our king, we're gonna miss his kingdom, right? The only way to enter the kingdom is to submit to the king. There's no kingdom without a king, and that's why this is so important for us. I, I can't just accept Jesus as my savior. And I, I think a lot of people are okay with that language. We wanna accept Jesus as our savior. In our culture right now, I think a lot of people are happy to have someone else pay for their sins. We live in a world that believes that we're entitled, we're owed something, someone else should pay for everything I get. I should get it all for free. Gimme, gimme, gimme that stimmy, right? <laughs> I think we're okay actually with Jesus paying our debt. We're used to it, we get that. We almost expect it now. And, and so for some of us, we love him as our savior. We, we respect and appreciate him going to the cross for our sins, but for so many people, that's where it stops. We love him as savior, but we don't surrender to him as our king. And that's why our lives are such a mess because somebody has to be king. And if that's not Jesus, then that means it's probably me. The king calls the shots. And for most of us, I am that king. And the reason my little kingdom is in such bad shape is because I have the wrong king. Instead of obeying the king, I'm being the king. I'm doing what I think and what I feel and what I believe. And see, our problem is we don't know who the king of the castle is. And that's always a problem, right? In any, okay, I have young adults living in my house right now. Got two, almost three. But Noah, he'll be 21 in like two weeks. Elijah is 19. Noah's working on buying a home. 
He's saving up. I'm really proud of him. But he's still at home for a few more months. He graduated college, but he's at home for a few more months. Elijah moved out to go to college, but coronavirus got him doing college online. So he's back home. So two young adult men live in my home. I'm just going to throw that out there. Now, I love them. But sometimes, I think you're with me, I have to reestablish whose home it is. You know what I mean? Like, who is the king in this castle? Who is the alpha male who gets to stand at the refrigerator with the door open? Who gets to hold the remote, sit in the special chair, and get preferred parking? It's good to be king. And so <laughs> what really cracks me up, though, is when my kids will catch me eating something they think is theirs. I was eating this granola bar, some new thing that Robin bought. And I was like, oh, I've never seen that before. And so I'm eating it. One of my kids says, hey, those are mine. I was like, well, how do you figure that? And, and, and my child tells me, well, I told Alexa to put it on the list. I said, but, but you understand how that works, right? I paid for them and I own Alexa. Like, oh, well, that's not fair. Okay, but you got to understand the rules. King of the castle. Then one of my kids actually went out with friends bought their meal, brought home leftovers. Okay, now technically, you, you, you bought the meal, you brought home the leftovers, you put it in the fridge, technically you paid for that food, those are your leftovers. So you know what I did? I ate them anyway. Why? Because that's my fridge. It's in my fridge, it's mine. And then I hear this voice, who ate my food? I said, not me. One of the other kids is like, Dad, yes, you did. I saw you. I said, no, I didn't eat their food. I ate my food. Like, what do you mean? I said, it was in my fridge, which is in my kitchen, which is part of my house. It's staying cool with my electricity that I pay for every month. Now, I know some of you are like, that's just mean. Listen, I'm not being cruel. I'm teaching them how life works. I'm preparing them for taxes, okay? Sometimes I have to tell my kids, you just got taxed. They're like, that's not fair. I'm like, taxes aren't fair. Something you thought was yours is taken by someone else and you have no control over that. Important lesson for the children. But listen, listen, listen. It's good to be the king. But let me just ask you, who is the king of your castle? Who has the authority in your life? Who gets the final say? Is it you or is it Jesus? There can only be one king. My job and your job, we gotta figure out who that king is gonna be in our lives. And when we start to think, well, well, this is mine. I did this, I deserve that. Sometimes our king has to remind us whose house we're living in, whose planet we're living on, whose oxygen we're breathing, whose hand formed our body, whose breath fills our lungs. Psalm 24, it says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world, and all who live in it. Why? Because he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. He's the king. I mean, if you create it, you own it. It's all his. And then even after he created us, he was crucified for us and he purchased us with his own blood. First Corinthians chapter six, in verse 19, it says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. Check this out. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. You know, most people don't agree with that. Church people included. I think we disagree with God that we're not our own. 
And we think we have full authority. We have the right. It's my life. Nobody tells me what to do. I was talking to someone recently, a church person, uh, who was telling me about the decisions they were making in their life. And the litmus test for truth was this. I I know this is right because it makes me happy. If we're honest, for most of us, Jesus isn't king. My happiness is. But listen, when Jesus is king, I go to him for my decisions. Lord, what, what do you want me to do? It's not my will, but it's yours that needs to be done. When Jesus is my king, then his word is my authority. And I don't just come to church to hear it, but I work to live it out because I know that it's truth. My life isn't about, well, I just believe, well, I think, well, my opinion, I feel. It's, well, Jesus says this, so that's what I gotta do. If Jesus is king, it means he's calling the shots. And so I live differently. I think differently. I talk differently. I have a different mission and message and purpose for my life. What would it look like for you to put Jesus on the throne? What would it look like to let Jesus wear your crown and be your king? To submit your kingdom to his kingdom? You know, for some of you, I think it would change how you treat other people. If Jesus is my king, there's no room for prejudice and hatred. If Jesus is king, I gotta see all people as made in God's image, potential roommates in heaven. You know, for some of us, if if Jesus is king, it, it could change how I respond to crisis. Now, if I'm king, then I need control. But if Jesus is king, then I can trust. I can have peace. Maybe it changes my decision making where I wanna run out on my marriage when it gets tough or I give in to addiction. Maybe even I'm tempted to end my own life. Listen, if Jesus is king, then I'm giving him control of my choices because I'm not my own. For some of you, it, it may change what you're living for. Most people are living to get ahead. We wanna get more money, more stuff, more pleasure. Jesus said, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world if they forfeit their soul? You could be the king of the whole world, still gonna die. In fact, all the kings of the world have died and most of their kingdoms have come and gone, but Jesus' kingdom, it's still going strong. It's growing all over the world right now. His kingdom is eternal and immortal and invisible. And here's the cool thing, he's inviting us to be part of it. He's inviting us to surrender our kingdom to his kingdom and to allow him to take over our life and to rule and reign over us. You know, to do that, I gotta believe a few things. I think first of all, if Jesus is gonna be my king, I have to believe he knows better than me, that his ways are higher than my ways. I have to believe that what I feel isn't the highest authority, that even when it doesn't agree with me that his word is truth. If Jesus is gonna be king of my life, I've gotta believe, second thing is that he has my best interest in mind. And what he did for me on the cross, it proves that he has more for me than he wants from me. He showed me that. I think the third thing for me, if Jesus is gonna be my king, I have to know that he's gonna be victorious. We all wanna be on the winning side. But listen, 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 he resurrected to prove that he has the power over life and death to prove his promise of eternal life. Don't miss your king. He was crucified for you. He conquered the grave for you. And listen, 
He's coming back for you. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. He's coming back, and we're all going to meet the king. Last time he wore a crown of thorns, this time he's bringing that crown of life. And on that day, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is king. On that day, everybody's going to know. But on that day, it'll also be too late. And so don't miss your king because he's here right now. He's calling out to you. And whoever you think he is, I promise he's so much more. However you think he is, I promise you he's so much bigger than that. Whatever you think he has planned, I promise is so much better. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has even thought of the things that God has in store for those who love him. I want you to understand Jesus isn't just a king. He wants to be your king. He died and was buried and he rose again and it was all for you. I hope you know that. I hope you feel that and experience that every minute of every day. But if you don't, here's the thing, you got a chance right now. Today could be the start of a new day in your life. You could start a relationship with God through Jesus the King that could last through all eternity. You just have to let him know, I'm in, I want it. I believe in you, I'm letting you in, I'm letting you take over, I'm making you Jesus King of my life. Your kingdom come and your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. That's a decision you'll never regret. It's a decision that you can make right now. I wanna pray for us. If that's the decision you need to make, let him know right now. Jesus, thank you. Resurrection weekend means we celebrate the highlight of human history. It's you coming back from the grave, you conquering death and bringing life. We thank you, Lord, that now as you sit on your throne in heaven, you won't stay there forever, but you're coming back for us. We thank you for this gospel, this good news, that you died and were buried and rose again and that you're coming back. Lord, it is good news. For those of us who have made you king, we can't wait to see you in your glory. But for my friends, Lord, who haven't done that yet, I'm praying today more than ever that they would see your majesty, not just your humanity, Lord, but your, your majesty. That they wouldn't just maybe see your humility, but they'd understand your divinity and that they would bow to you, the king. They would make you Lord of their life. Lord, I thank you that you've proven in every way possible that you are who you said you were. You did what you said you were gonna do and it's something no one else can do. And so today we do, we bow and, and we kneel before you and we put our crown on your head. You are the king. Jesus, you are the king eternal, immortal and invisible, the only God and we love you. So you see why uh, Justin would, would, would be my, like I'd go to his church, <laughs> or close at all, that's, that's, that's where I'm going, because uh, uh, he's got it going on. So uh, anyway, if, um, look, if you're ready to make Jesus the king of your life, you can go to reallifecc.us, click on the I'm ready link under next steps in the menu, uh, or if you're here in person, you can stop back at the Connection Hub when service is over. We'd love to know about that. Okay couple more things before I let you go this morning. Beginning next week, 
is a series that uh, we're calling Coffee Mug Christianity. And so um, we're going to use this as kind of a filler series over the summer. We're going to fit it in between some other series and other events that are going on. Uh, and, and so just so you get a little idea, you know, oftentimes we see clever bits of verses that might fit on a coffee mug or you see them on a meme on Facebook or something. And they sound really good. And, and they, you know, oftentimes they kind of fit what we already maybe think, um, but do we really understand what they mean, and are they really saying what we think they're saying? Because, you know, look, sometimes we get some wrong ideas about God. Justin talked about that, like, like he's the king, and sometimes we see him as less than that, like, like it's just all love. Um, and, and so some of those things sound good, but they may not be uh, in context, they may not be true. And so do we really understand the verse enough to let it change our lives. So next week, we're going to kick this um, series off. It's going to be um, kind of a one-week deal, and then we're going to be done. And we're going to look at a well-known and often overlooked verse. In fact, if you watch any football game or you know Tim Tebow, you know this verse, John 3, 16. And if you've been around church for a while, you've, you've heard it, like you know it, and you're like, oh, I got that. Uh, we're going to look at it in a little different way and, and see um, how it really speaks to our lives. So I hope you'll join me for that next Sunday, April 18th, uh, Coffee Mug Christianity. Then on the 25th, really excited to uh, welcome Phil Claycomb to real life. Phil is the founder and executive director of Nexus, which is a church planting organization out of uh, Texas, Richardson, Texas. Uh, and they plant churches all over the country, providing capital and coaching to support the work of God wherever he leads. Now, um, I heard Phil speak for the first time when I got invited in February of 2020. This was uh, right before all the pandemic stuff happened. And I got invited to a church planters conference down in uh, Texas by another church planter friend of mine. And, and it was um, awesome. I, I was there for uh, three days and everybody in the room, there, there weren't a, a lot of us, maybe um, 30 or 40 guys, uh, but all of us were church planters. Um, and so, like, like, it's one of those things where, you know, if you've never done it before, you just don't really get it. And so, it was awesome to be in a room of people who got it and understood what it's like. And um, as you can uh, imagine, maybe, uh, I was one of the old guys. Like, <laughs> most of the guys that were there, they were just getting ready to plant, or they'd been maybe just a few years into their church plant. Uh, and here I am, and I'm like, well, in a couple of years, we'll be 15 years old. And uh, so, yeah, I'm the old guy with the gray uh, beard. Anyway, we don't talk about that anymore. So uh, I, I went down there and I got to hear Ben Sobel's from um, California, and he's really awesome. But I, we got done with a conference, and I was like, man, I would have come all the way down here, and I'd have paid for this just to hear Phil speak. And and so I told him, um, I said, look, I want you to come, I want you to talk to us about Nexus and explain some of, of what we're doing. And, and this year. Uh, 2021 real life is supporting nexus to plant churches um, all over the country so we're a part of making uh, churches happen uh, around uh, around the US and so that is cool so he's gonna come and share and I said I really don't care what you talk about as long as it's one of the Psalms this guy understands uh, the Psalms I mean and shares it it'll just blow you away you are not gonna want to miss uh, what he has to share with us that will be April um, 25th, and so uh, I'm excited to have him here. So please, whatever you have to do, make plans to be here on April 
25th, or if like you just can't be here, something else is coming, you got something else planned, make sure that you tune in to the live stream because you will not want to miss what God has to share uh, through Phil. I guarantee you, like Justin, it will bless and challenge and confront and uh, change you, and that is not hype, right? You, you are going to love uh, you're going to love Phil. So next week, Coffee Mug Christianity. The week after that is uh, Phil. And then the next Sunday, uh, three weeks from now, we're going to kick off a brand new message series called I Say to You, which is going to be uh, Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm so excited to uh, begin that series and share that with you. So be looking for that. Uh, thanks for being here. Love you. Uh, and see you next week for Coffee Mug Christianity. And um, hey, we're done. Uh, good to have you here this morning. See you. Thanks for tuning in to Real Life Live. Our hope and prayer is that the time you've spent with us has left you encouraged and challenged in your faith. It may have also left you with some questions or maybe wondering how all this faith stuff works. So we want to help you with that. Head over to reallifecc.us for a few different ways we can connect. We're thankful you joined us today and want to extend an invitation for you to join us in person at our current home in El Dorado, Kansas at the Civic Center, 201 East Central on Sundays at 10 a.m. We hope you'll keep tuning in and growing in your faith to look more like Jesus every day. See you next time.